Hey, I'm Parker Lennon. And this is Chuck Stack. And you're listening to Fact Fitness. Use fitness as a goal for something we wanted to do, and it allowed us to do things like rock climbing and surfing and, and do it in a fun way. Things you should question yourself about before you compete. Everybody's different. And yeah. so if you think you're going to be just like that study, or you think you're going to fall directly into that category, you're probably wrong. I follow doctors and certain trainers that are PhDs and stuff so that I can get what they're doing their research on. High game is the relentless pursuit of meeting new people. <laughs> this is like killing a million little organisms at a time. I was in a really bad place, but what got me through was fitness, number one, and secondary was meditation and really good friends, of course. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, get some beats. We need that metronome back. Okay, okay. So, <laughs> so to, oh, man, it's still loud. All right, let's turn this output down. There we go. All right, I think we're good on levels. Uh, so if, you, if you're actually listening to the podcast right now, we are in a hurricane. Yeah. Uh, we're on the outskirts of it. We, uh, we did some surfing today in this hurricane. Um, but yeah, you're going to hear the wind in the background because we can hear it plain as day. It's and these mics are the sensitive. Movie. Yeah. So if you hear, <laughs> if you hear something creeping in the background, that is hurricane. We don't know how to say it. It's I was just going to say, we kind of had to discuss her, this one. Hermine, 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 Hermione. Hermione. I want to think, I think it's that. Um, Hermione's kind of fun. I think it's Reminds like the Harry you. Potter character, right? Hermione. I, 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 no, wait, isn't I lost that, it is it like Game of Thrones? Years. It I don't be. even know. I'm I'm horrible at that stuff. I'm horrible with names. <laughs> okay, so we're fitness people, so we don't actually watch any of these shows very often. We are usually in the gym. Um we're yeah. doing something fun and like surfing. Yeah. yeah. No, today was uh today was good. We both got our uh our board shorts wet, got out there, got some waves. My leash broke, so it kinda cut my session yeah. early, but it was funny because I was getting uh, drug around. I uh, I used the jetty to get out, so I went out to the end of the jetty, jumped, and swam for my life, and uh, caught a couple of decent waves today that I was stoked on. But when I got dumped, my leash kept getting stretched so hard, yes. <laughs> and it was like it was dragging me under and stuff. And I was like, man, I'm gonna break my leash too. Yeah, it's been uh, ten or eleven years since Florida's seen a, a hurricane, so yep. it's been uh, it was it was in, intense. The storm surge was very strong, yep. and um, it, the rip tides were pretty bad today. And uh, it, it came back just for me because I've been in California forever and yeah, haven't got right. to surf one. And Everybody's I to. like, "Curse you, Parker!" No, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like hurricanes, then FAQ you. <laughs> FAQ you. Nice. <laughs> Good plug Dude, in there. There you go. Um, okay, so let's get back uh, back on track here and and talk about our topic um, today. It's training variables. It's it kind of this podcast was created because we kept getting questions about plateaus this week, um, and it's just more and more people come to us saying, you know, either I have been working out for X amount of time years and my bench press hasn't gone anywhere or I'm not losing weight. I mean, and it's just been, it's been consistently, consistently pointing back to this topic and that's training variables. Yeah. A lot of times, uh, what you'll find with, um, your training is that you get so set in your ways and you do the same thing over and over again and it does not produce the same results. I know that that is a theory that people go by, but not with training. You have to actually mix up what you're doing and mess with the training variables. So to to kind of make it easier for you to understand, we throw around a lot of terms and you're going to hear it throughout our podcast as we continue. We're going to try to define a lot of the most commonly used variables with training um, and kind of what those mean and how it applies to your training. Yeah. So as far as those topics, it's it's basically individual units that, that are factors to success. So it, it doesn't mean that you change all of these things at once that you, the scientific approach is to maybe change one thing and see how that affects your training and then move forward. A lot of times, even as trainers, we don't have the patience for that. And that's yeah. actually where good program design comes in. And where if you're actually taking your time and you're writing out kind of a plan of action or say a six week, eight week, 12 week plan for your, your clients, then that can help you, uh, eliminate kind of rushing someone's program design and getting ahead of yourself in, in how you address their, their routine. Sorry. I just heard crazy howling. <laughs> yeah. You, you, <laughs> for the first I'm, time. <laughs> right. It's like, ooh, it's spooky. 
Um, yeah, so I, I, we've, we've talked about this briefly before this, so this is going to be very, very, um, <laughs> kind of free, we'll say that, free form, we're, we're going through the variables, but yeah, definitely, um, go in the direction you're going, man. I yeah, like so, I mean, as far as these training variables, they're just, like I said, they're single factors that can contribute to the, your success. Um, the things that we're going to, that I came up with t for today's topic is cardio, which is kind of straightforward, um, conditioning your heart to better, you know, whether it's better blood flow, whether it's better, um, training intensity, whether it's a uh, better recovery rate. Um, so tempo is, is the other thing, proprioception, weight, <laughs> intensity, um, <laughs> there's there's a hurricane and there's also ducks for some reason here. So, um, so as far as I'm trying to put, put my plane on or my phone on airplane mode. So back to back to the topics. We've got uh, proprioception. We've got weight. We've got intensity, volume, rest intervals, recovery, tension, um, muscle pairings, range of motion. And mobility. So those are kind of like the some of the biggest factors. I mean, we could go on for days. I was say we with, could have podcasts on each of these individually. Yeah, They're so and, important. And different textbooks and stuff will say different things, and and we'll kind of focus on specific topics. But we're gonna try to kind of keep it to these, and then a few others that these are these are some that Parker and I have both came up with. But we're Parker, I'm sure, will have uh, a little bit of input on his own personal opinion and some variables that I may not have thought about with an, in preparation for this podcast. So um, starting from the top, cardio. Uh, my kind of take on that is that cardio is an essential even if you are a weightlifter, even if you are a bodybuilder, even if you're a strongman. There should be some form of cardio, whether it's a, a basic walk to say you're an endurance athlete and you're training for a marathon. So in the case where you're an endurance athlete, you're going to be progressively building closer to your event and then eventually tapering off as you get to your event. So keeping that into consideration and planning that out is essential. In the case of a weightlifting, you know, that it actually helps with oxygen transport and nutrient delivery. So we're so focused on vasodilators and these pre-workouts that actually will make your veins open up so it can deliver more nutrients when your body can kind of do it naturally, uh, just focusing on specific things like hydration, um, and even having a strong enough cardio base so that you can, your heart can pump more and more oxygen to these muscles that you're using as you lift. Yeah. And you know, uh, from the last podcast, if you're listening to this, that I was an endurance athlete have been my whole life. Um, and I think in my take on it is, you know, weight training has really helped me aesthetically look better. Um, my cardio base has always been there, but it's not that way for most of my clients. As a matter of fact, most clients hate cardio um, because they haven't found something that they like to do. So my take on cardio is it's very essential um, for lifestyle. It's not for me. I, I, I like the fact that it is good for your health and stuff, but I think for the things that you do in real life, if you're going to go out and hike, which if you're in San Diego, you do all the time or Arizona, like places that have some elevation, um, you know, Washington, stuff like that. Um, it helps with that. It's going to help with you. If you're surfing, like today we went out and surfed. If our cardio was shit, then our surfing would be terrible. And that's just how it works, you know? And well, you could you could argue that because I know some well, I, big potheads in I, California that surf really well. <laughs> I, came, I came out of the water today, and I was glad that my cardio base was up yeah. because I was still breathing hard when I got out of the water today. So. Oh yeah, and you know what? It's it's really intense. Like today was you know one some of those things where if you don't get through the break, you get pushed back in, and you literally have to do the whole thing all over again. So your cardio base and your your uh, anaerobic base is actually pretty huge too because it it develops both. But so for like lifestyle. You know, and you could go paddleboarding, you could go kayaking, um, swimming with your family. Like this relates to everything. This is why I think that cardio is important, not so much for the health aspect, just for lifestyle in general. Yeah, I think in another since we're talking about this as a training variable, I mm -hmm. think another asset that people don't realize is that sometimes when you are talking about aesthetics or a bodybuilding preparation or something, a lot of people do too much cardio. You know, yeah. or a client that wants more aesthetic goals or body composition changing goals, 
yet they do a lot of cardio and they don't realize how that can be negatively affecting their body and changing their body composition. Well, let's throw it back to an old podcast. We talked about women wanting a bigger butt. If you're doing too much cardio, your ass ain't going to grow. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's gonna, it's gonna stay that small because your body doesn't want to carry around the extra weight. So if you want more of an aesthetic look, sometimes you have to pull back on the cardio and the activity level and focus more on the weight training. Yeah, and that's why many bodybuilders will exclude cardio altogether until yeah. right at their last little cut. Let's talk that about nature. that. Let's talk about how um, you, if you go into a really big bodybuilding gym, you're going to see those guys just walking on an incline treadmill. That's all they ever do. It's either Stairmaster or incline treadmill. Now, to their argument, I think this is another variable of cardio. There is more intense cardio, long-distance cardio, and then there's um, kind of more of your slow, low intensity cardio. And I think that's something we should kind of divide. Yeah. And, and that's what we're talking about is, is dividing, you know, do you need to incorporate low intensity? Do you need to incorporate high intensity? Do you need to do high volume where you're doing it five days a week you know, or do you need to do it once a week? You know? Okay. And so I'm a client. Um, what I'm, I'm looking to, uh, lose some weight and I would like to only come into the gym three times a week and I just don't really like cardio. What should I do? I would focus on intensity. And, and that's kind of the other variable that we mentioned mm -hmm. is intensity. So sometimes variate, making those intensities different mm -hmm. and focusing maybe more on a higher intensity since you're only doing three times a week in that case. Um, you would basically want to keep your intensity up and try to increase your metabolism between those periods as much as possible. And that's how you would do so is you would you would do high intensity interval training, most likely at least two of those three days, and then something of a longer duration, maybe an interval type still training, um, but just of a longer duration, less intensity. So that's kind of something that goes hand in hand with intensity is that the longer you do a duration of something, the less intense it kind of should be. Yeah. Um, you, if, if you're doing high intensity stuff for say two hours, you're not training too intense enough and you're training too long. And I think a great example of this is if you've ever done orange theory, it's called orange, not red theory. Red theory is at that like upper maximal heart rate. Orange is that sub maximal heart rate that is more effective for fat burning. And then I think you have like yellow, is it yellow, orange? I don't know. Yeah, zone training goes off of some color, yeah. color zones. It's, it's usually green, yellow, red is kind of how I know it. Green is being mm -hmm. like 55% to 65 being more of your aerobic, um, you know, 65 to 75 being a little bit more anaerobic. Um, so that being more like your orange or yellow, and then red being red line, uh, 90, 95, you know. It's, yeah, so you're basically at your full max at red. That's a, that, that should be focused on for athletic performance more mm -hmm. so. So that's a way to increase your overall capacity, work capacity. And that's mm -hmm. really what they try to focus on in that zone is if you're going into that red zone, that 90 to 95% range, um, that high intensity is going to help uh, basically in a positive way benefit your your overall work capacity and i you know i had this conversation with a new client today uh, about you know somebody that just ran constantly um they run at lunch every day uh they they've done marathons but yet they're still overweight um and this is this is kind of a topic we said we want to talk about more in depth in another one but um i think a great example You'll see uh, a lot of marathon runners and triathletes that are still kind of a little bit overweight, and it's because I think their their intensity level is actually too high. Um, I think that they're doing probably an overload of cardio, and it's actually causing a stress response in the body. Yeah, it's it's a matter of they're basically making their bodies more efficient to the mm -hmm. point where it's so efficient that they're burning less calories while doing so much work. And, and that's really what contributes to a lot of runners being kind of skinny fat mm -hmm. is not only is their, is their activity, their hobby, not conducive to building muscle, it actually kind of breaks down muscle in order to be able to do that much physical activity for that long. So your body kind of goes into that flight or fight response mm -hmm. and it, and it kind of holds itself in more of a starvation mode because you're running for so long and you're not refueling your body. And also produces more cortisol, right? Yes. And, and I mean, it's a high stress activity. So not Which only the impact and inflammation, 
yeah, inflammation, it can cause uh, belly fat storage, yep. adipose storage, um, and other, you know, health issues, you know, with tendonitis, inflammation mm -hmm. of and joints and meniscus or cartilage. Um, so, so with cardio, I want to do one quick uh, little sidetrack too. What about the people that are in the gym, for instance, like me, um, or let's say the person that was trying to grow the butt and they want to increase their muscle mass, what would we recommend for them for cardio? Well, and that's what I was talking about for, or I was actually thinking of you personally and mm -hmm. how you spoke about it in another podcast about how once you did train, start focusing on that variable on the fact that it was a piece of advice that you mentioned I gave you. For years, I'd been telling you, you need to back off the cardio if you're putting, looking to put on size and you need to do more heavy lifting, you know, focusing on more compound lifts and stuff like that. And you started doing that. I mean, like you had already been focusing a lot on the compound lifts and everything, but you finally started backing off your cardio. And the seafood diet. Can't forget that. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> now you're on the, you're, you're to where you're eating back to meat. Like we're talking about red meat yeah. and chicken as well. I was so a vegetarian, that was, made it very hard. That was the other thing that we had discussed is that, you know, just for for your goals and everything, we wanted to get you back to eating high quality protein sources um, because a vegetarian diet can be very difficult to do so or, or get enough uh, calories and intake in that sense. So And so basically to reiterate what he's saying, I think if you're looking to gain, if you're a hard gainer and I've had a lot of clients that work very well with this group because it was me, um, you need to back off in your cardio a little bit. And for those women um, specifically, that are looking to put on more of a, what you would call tones. I know it's going to be, they'll at least understand <laughs> it, this stupid, <laughs> this stupid, stupid word. <laughs> uh, for those of you who are wanting to put on lean muscle, what you should do is back off in your cardio a little bit and uh, focus on like exactly what you, he just told that I should do, the compound lifts and um, you know just eating probably a little bit more protein. Yeah, and just making sure your nutrition's on point, you're getting enough calories. I shouldn't say just protein. I, carbs are very important for bulking too. Yeah, don't forget the carbs. And, and and so we're getting a little Any bit fats. off topic with the training variables, but this these are things that all contribute to this. <laughs> we're success. always off topic, man. What are you talking about? Hey, and, and <laughs> that's the beauty of this. So, uh, you know, when you are an endurance athlete, there's that wind again. Damn her, man. her, her mind, her mind, her <laughs> whatever <meanie>. you are. <laughs> You meanie. Uh, so her mind wants to gain right we, now. Yeah, <laughs> gain her strength. Those gains, <laughs> her mighty gains. Um, so though somebody that is more of an endurance athlete or does do more cardio in their sport or hobby, they do need to focus a little more on the strength aspect. Mm -hmm. You know, not only during their sport but also in their off season. Yeah, and I, I want to say this too before I move on. Cardio people are not hating on you. I was a cardio. You know, we are. We yeah. are cardio people. I will say we still do a lot of very cardio oriented things. Um, but you know, just you, you have to know the healthy balance. And if if that's your sport, then obviously you have to train for it. But don't forget in the off season, like you said, do some weight training. It'll help you. You'll be faster. Yeah, try you'll to put be on stronger. Some muscle mass because yeah. you because you are an endurance athlete and because you are going to be losing muscle mass in yep. your season. It's very important to be focusing on building that muscle back in the off season so that you can afford to lose it in the season and still be just as strong. And by the way, I think my uh, my father wants to, after this next half Ironman, be our guinea pig to try more of the muscle building approach and see how it's, how his body responds. Uh, he wants to do um, body fat measurements po or pre and post. Nice. Um, and he wants to follow our plan. Yeah, and, and we're talking about somebody that is a stubborn endurance athlete. and Very stubborn. And just in the sense that... <laughs> He has done it for many years and he's very good at it and knows the process uh, amongst it. But now through listening to us and seeing different articles and hearing other mm -hmm. people talk about it, he's realizing that, you know, weight training is a key component to endurance athletes. And at his age, at the, the 50 and up age, um, it's, it's hormonal, pretty... Hormonal balance, it's, it's yep. extremely crucial. Very crucial. Moving on. All right. So as far as that, let's move on to the next thing. So proprioception. What we're, what I'm talking about. I use here. this word like every day. Yeah, me too. I love it. It's just like it's one of my favorite tongues to roll off. 
What? My tongue. It's, it's, <laughs> I, roll off. It's, it's one of my favorite words to roll, to roll off my tongue. He can't say so it, but he likes rolled off. Yeah, right. I can't even say basic like five letter words, but I can say proprioception. And, and it makes nice you sound easy. real smart. Proprioception. It's because yeah. it has like multiple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, go for it. Anyway, so what proprioception is is stability. We all know the trainers that do squats on Bosu balls, and I was thinking about this today because. As surfers, I've done it because <laughs> I'm a well, surfer. <laughs> exactly, and as not, as not surfers ourselves, yeah, and as as extreme sports people, we do focus on a lot of those weird stability movements and stuff. But that's exactly it. They're a stability movement. We mm-hmm. don't throw 300 pounds on our shoulders. No, and no, try, never and try that. to add strength movements to it. We try to become stronger in that stability. And that's another factor that even with endurance athletes, even with bodybuilders, even with anyone that's in the gym, if they're not focusing on their stability aspect of their training, they're weak. I it's bet you I could throw like, most bodybuilders on a on a BOSU ball and tell them to do a squat, and those dudes would shake so bad. Yeah, they're, they're because their muscle would, firing isn't that, and the CNS everything they do is so robotic. It's like press right well i walk on a treadmill and it's just like, like work sideways when, when you do bench right and a lot of pe- a lot of bodybuilders don't focus on you know that frontal plane and it's funny too if, if you like plane. play I mean, it's mostly in the frontal plane yeah, not you, many in the if they sagittal. do any sports they get injured right and and that's why there are so many injuries in sports like that is because they focus on the same movement pattern over and over and over yep and so with proprioception you do need to add some instability, but you need to take away some of the strength mm-hmm. in that ass in that facet. So it's not with a lot of weight that you're doing this or so a lot of resistance. Take like a like a single arm dumbbell chest press. That's a good one for stability. That's what we're talking about more with that proprioception. It's a, a lack of stability through a movement. Now you take a barbell chest press, and now all of a sudden it's a more stable movement. You're using two arms at the same time, attached by one barbell. What's you know, what's so, our favorite piece of equipment that does a lot of proprioception work? It's a TRX. Yep, TRX yeah. is a proprioception piece the of equipment. Suspension training um, equipment and stuff. It's it's very good for proprioception and just adding any sort of unstable environment. So that is the definition of proprioception. It's adding an unstable environment to any movement. So in other ways, um, you can do this is like if you think about it, if you're a runner and you do like trail running. Um, yeah. that's a great proprioception That's adding movement. proprioception yep. to, to your normal running, and especially if you're running on the road. Or if you're running on uh, the beach, which we have here. I don't know if you have it in your area, but um, we can run on the beach, and that will make you more sore because of the fact that you don't have that stable ground. So you have a little bit more resistance and more proprioception with your feet moving constantly. So the way I look, like to look at that variable specifically is it's like building a house. You have to build a strong base in order to build a strong house you know here we're in the hurricane yeah and we've got know, strong houses in florida yeah some of the <laughs> houses that don't make it are the ones with poor foundation you know mm-hmm. or the fact that the foundation has changed and sometimes in training more intensely and training for strength or for power we lose some of that stability and that kind of makes us weaker in essence so revisiting a stability phase in your training is is good to do you know and we're big fans of periodization which you should revisit your your basic phases, your oh yeah, definitely your stability and your strength. And, and it's and not bad to throw in that micro periodization that we we're talking about last week. Where you know, I'll I'll throw in you know uh, we talked about the bosu. I like to stand on the bosu and do my rope um, battle rope training on that because it's very very um, similar to surfing and paddle boarding and stuff that I like to do in that type of environment. Yeah, and and we're talking about athletic movements and athletic skills more mm-hmm. so. So it's, and it's not it's, something that clients can usually do, but it's something you can start to work your way into. Right, and we're talking more advanced athletes. Mm-hmm. So if, if maybe a downhill skier or even a skateboarder or a surfer or um, a football player, I mean, anybody that needs a hockey player, anybody that moves in all planes of motion mm-hmm. really needs to be focusing on this stuff more importantly. Yep. So as far as that, that that actually kind of leads into our other training variable, and that's range of motion. Um, And range of motion, whether you are focusing on your stability phase, your strength phase, your power phase, you should be going through, uh, in my opinion, a more full range of motion, unless you're trying to target specific muscles or a specific movement. So sometimes that you can kind of limit and play with the range of motion. And that's another way that you can tinker with that variable. 
is you can sit there and say, okay, instead of doing my squats ass to the grass, so to speak, so that's butt all the way to the ground with keeping the back in a good plane. A box squat. You can do a box squat, and that's changing the tempo, which is another <laughs> variable of ours. And but, the range of motion a lot. And the range of motion a lot. It kind of stops you to in your range of motion and gives you stability at the, the base of that squat, which is kind of the hardest position to squat out of. Um, the hole, as some powerlifters will say. Uh, so squatting out of that hole can be very challenging. And when you do a box squat, it stops the momentum at the bottom, puts a lot of tension on all the muscles that should be engaged, the glutes, the quads, the hamstrings. And then you have to propel yourself back up to a standing position. So what I love, um, do you ever do the exercise get ups? I mean, it's not, yeah. not a Turk, not, not a Turkish get up. Yeah. I sitting down, agree. like sitting down on a box or on a BOSU ball laying no, back and then standing so back I, up. So I feel like this is a Parker term and I don't really think it's the right one. Cause it's not a Turkish get up. I make clients sometimes, not every client. Cause I feel like I get backlash for this one. But, um, so you start from a almost laying position on a mat and your goal is to stand up on your feet. Sure. Yeah, I've seen those. Not like the ninja, like not bring your feet way up and do that. But what I'll do is I'll give a um, like a weight and have them do that. What was making me think of this is that initial. So once you get to your feet, you have to go from a very, very, very low range of motion squat. So, or sorry, very full range of motion squat because you're you're like your ankles are at your uh, your butt. So. Yeah, and talking about that, we were we were talking about yeah. that earlier about how the the Asian sit the Asian sit is is very good. I mean, it's so if you want to imagine the Asian sit, it's kind of like what a child does mm-hmm. when they're playing with something on the ground. It's basically a squat at its full down position. Or, if you're if you have younger kids um, or if you have nieces and nephews, you'll notice that when they're like playing and they're like rest, they sit down in this really low squat position. And it's and been they brought rest up there. Yeah, it's been they... brought up a lot in fitness. You know, like look at kids, they do this. This is actually a, a really big trend of people to kind of latch onto, but it is true. It's a fundamental movement pattern. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just something that you can. It's intrinsically set that we know from being children. Yeah, and and it's that communication between the brain and the muscles, the neuromuscular system that is lacking and that kind of gets rusty over time it's it's the flexibility mobility which i i think we're gonna have to talk about here in a second right yeah that's actually that's (laughs) that's another one of our variables but yeah i think just chipping away at it kind of one variable at a time we spoke about tempo a little bit Mm -hmm. and changing the tempo can be very important too you know a, a lot of times people don't realize that a stability tempo is usually longer holds you know, whether it's isometric or whether it's going through the eccentric portion very slowly for about four seconds, which eccentric, if you're talking about a squat, it would be the point where you're moving down towards the ground. Um, that is the eccentric portion of a squat. Whereas let's, do, let's do this real quick. Is concentric. So eccentric is when you're Loading. basically, yeah, you're, you're letting the weight down or bringing it down. And then the explosive or power phase, which doesn't have to be that. I shouldn't say that. It's when you're pushing away or kind of contracting contracting the muscles. Yeah, shortening the muscles is another go. good way to, t- to yes. talk about it. So a lot of times we talk about muscles and we talk about length-tension relationship. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the length at which the muscle is the strongest at. So in the middle of that contractile period in a muscle, it, somewhere in the middle is usually its maximal power. Um, or maximal output. And, and that's kind of where, what we would talk about with the muscle belly, mm-hmm. you know, where the muscle belly can make the, the strongest firing and the, and the strongest connection. Um, you know, and that's why it's important to go through a full range of motion is so that you can strengthen muscles through each portion of the lift. Now what, now this is something that's debated, but which would you say is more important for building muscle, the eccentric or the concentric phase? Eccentric. Yeah, and it's not Completely. it's not really much of a debate, but <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it has been. It, well, it is in in a lot of new lifters. You know, mm-hmm. they, th- they a lot of people focus on exploding in the concentric or really pushing or forcing themselves to to put a lot of effort into the movement, whereas usually a slower, you know, loading position or or eccentric position, and then a slow concentric can actually put the muscles under time under tension for a longer mm-hmm. period of time, burn more calories get more volume out of the lifts and actually apply more work to the muscle itself. So I may have actually heard something that's that debunks the time under tension 
phase, but I'm I'm not, I'm not gonna bring it up because I don't have the well, uh, and, and stuff in front of me. But it was on your buddies, <laughs> Lane Norton's podcast, the most yeah. boring podcast ever. Well, and and I mean, this is something that we have a, a difference of opinions in. I actually yeah, I happen to Lane like Norton. Lane Norton, so um, I don't particularly. He, like he him. he's uh, really scientific, like I like I tend to be at times. So I think that's where I like a lot of his uh, his stuff, and he's a, a great author you know he, mm-hmm. he writes he's great well. at writing he's terrible at talking <laughs> <laughs> and and i actually i still i'm i'm the same uh, i differentiate in that sense and i i actually like his podcast and stuff the science physique radio um i love some of his guests i do listen okay yeah. <laughs> so here here to go with what we were just talking about we got off topic a little bit um if you want to try this this variable um with time under tension try this uh if you're doing your squats go down into your squat in the uh, eccentric phase. So as you're going down, go slow and controlled. And then you can do the same for the concentric or you can go up at a normal tempo. Um, what you'll notice is you're going to feel it more after less repetitions. And you'll, you'll, you'll be able to make a better connection with what you're actually working mm-hmm. in, in the muscle. And that's kind of the point of that either stability phase or the slower tempos or to make a better communication with the muscles yes. and try to focus on what you're actually using. And you're saying neuromuscular connection, and we've talked about this a few times. This is what separates the the very beginner lifter from the more advanced lifter. If you can get that neuromuscular connection, everything starts working better. Yeah, and folks, and in my opinion, as a trainer, I always do a balance assessment for this yep. purpose. Whether it is an advanced athlete, a lifter, or anything, I focus on doing a balance assessment, whether it's bilateral, unilateral. So Always. That's it, always in my, my first initial assessment. Yeah, because you can tell the communication, what their brain's doing to their muscles. You know, if they're like wobbling all over the place, their ankles are unstable, they're having a lot of action in the knees, and they're just moving around a lot, or they can't even focus, then mm-hmm. th- that you can tell right there that we need to focus on better communication with this person because in when they're lifting they're probably going through the motions more so than actually focusing mm-hmm. on what they should and be this using. is what you're going to see if you like at our gym we basically help them through their first thing and we show them how to do stuff and if they don't want personal training we give them a workout program and that's great but if you're not monitoring every workout I've seen people number one not use enough weight. Number two, they're just they're just like firing through the motions, like blah blah blah. And I'm yeah. like, hey, calm down, slow down, put more weight on, slow your lift down. It's going to be more effective. Right, and that's why with all of my clients, I focus on on teaching them the basics, you know, yeah. and going through stuff systematically, and sometimes actually recommending them train more often so that we can we can teach them how to feel the right muscles, how to use the right muscles, how to go yeah. through the right movement patterns. And then when they can do that comfortably, I back them off their training. And when they get more familiar with the exercise terms, we back them off more. I mean, as trainers, our goal, I mean, ideally, if we could if we could have a client for, say, six months, you know, teach them everything that we possibly know and then take it and apply it and move on and just touch base with us for general assessments and stuff, that's kind of ideal. I mean, Yeah, this least, is where we agree 100% because we're, in, we're in educators. My, Hence exactly. why we're doing a podcast. We're right. trying to educate more people so that we can actually make people better at what they're they're trying to accomplish. And I feel like that's where lasting results comes from. Yeah. You know, like you can, you can teach somebody to fish, you know, but if they don't go through the process and learn the, the process and each step and why they're doing it, they'll get to a little stop, like hiccup and they'll just stop, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's like, man, I don't know how to tie this hook on. So, well, I guess I'm just going to go to McDonald's and get my McFish. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, it's just one of those things that, that you teach, you educate people and they're more inclined to actually follow through with the advice. So yeah, that's, that's also another thing that Parker and I share is that, that we do, we try to be educators. We try to be teachers of fitness and try to really get our clients to learn more than anything, what they're doing. If you've know if you know how much free information we give away just like via DM, uh, oh man, <laughs> yeah. I could have made so much more money if I was an asshole. <laughs> I, I still could. Well, and that's why some of those you know the, the popular guys you know make irritate us a little bit. Not and we're not talking about the Lane Nortons or the guys that are dealing with masses of people and actually getting them results. We're talking about the people that are just pumping out cookie cutter workouts and mm-hmm. cookie cutter nutrition programs and giving. 30,000 people all the same workout. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then making a ton of money off of it. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, 
taking advantage of the gullible basically you know right. like people people understand that it takes work to get to there but they do the same exact thing that you did to get there it's not going to work the same for them yeah i, I think we should have talked about this in our fitness bashing but yeah. uh, have you ever met a bikini pro that gives her workout and her diet plan sells it that she got from her coach <laughs> like how many people have we met like that like okay i don't want to say yeah <laughs> like i that's uh we won't even name any names but it happens here a lot yeah it, it does it happens a lot and especially in kind of it seems like a lot on the npc and mm -hmm. and some of those guys as well we're not bashing the npc it's a great organization but um there just tends to be a lot of those uh i don't know how to say it a lot of those trainers that just are generalizing you know horribly to the yeah. point where, to the point where it's the same exact program for all their athletes so, yeah and um, there's no tried and true method that's what we're, we're kind of showing you these variables because this is what you can ch change in your program that will help you you know bust those plateaus and if you came to one of us and you'd been lifting for a long time we're going to go through and figure out what of these variables we can change and what we can change in your programming to make you get better results more strength um more power or better endurance uh so this is kind of how we'd go about it sure <clears throat> um so moving forward uh, i think this follows up tempo very well weight you know a lot of times people lift too much weight for what they're doing or what they're able or not to enough. do yeah or not enough and in my opinion and this is kind of where sometimes parker and i differentiate but actually parker has taught me a little bit on on this specific topic and that's that I am such an OCD, analytical trainer. Of, this this about, term again. Yeah, I, I, I told you I liked it. I'm going to use it. And uh, and so I get very OCD when I talk about movement patterns and when I teach somebody about movement patterns. And I can almost always pick somebody apart in in form, you know. And I try to do that because I want to keep them engaged through the whole movement and in a sure nice that, way. And, yeah, in a he nice does. way. I mean, I, I, it's like. You know, squeeze your glutes, draw your belly button in, chin up, shoulders back, those type of cues to, to make sure that my clients are staying focused. Those are all really good verbal cues. Like, that makes sense when I'm listening to it. Yeah, and I mean, it's like, you know, if you want to tuck your chin, you say, you know, I act like I'm poking you in the face. And I mean, it just, there's like there's a lot of cues and stuff that I use to, to keep my clients engaged in that sense. And that's the importance of it is to make sure that you can stay within the proper form. Because if you're staying within proper form, you're using the right muscle groups you're usually using larger muscle groups, mm -hmm. you're burning more calories, you're getting more overall work on the body, and you're just creating a better connection. And and sometimes it's about signal. You know, you'll hear that term a lot in, in fitness, and we're talking about signal. Like how much can you actually communicate with your body is, mm -hmm. is really what we're trying to talk about. So a high, an Olympic athlete has an extremely, extremely strong signal. I mean, they know how they know every intricacy of their body, you know, and, and have really good CNS and proprioception, and you know. yeah, all. I mean, they they know how their body is going to respond to all these variables, you know, and they might have it to a, a sense that's not even describable, you know, to to where they can feel it and stuff, and they're like, well, I can't really, you know, say how it feels, but you know, when I do it this is what happens or, you know, like it's just, and it, it, it's like we bash on bodybuilders a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I like to, cause I think it's funny and I, I think that they get more pissed off than anybody else. So it's fun to pick on them, but they are the masters of just that mind muscle connection. You could tell them to flex anything and they know how to do it. And right. that's, that is their job. Right. And so they might not have the proprioception we're talking about and they definitely will get injured if you play some like basketball or football with them but at the same time they have a very strong connection with their body yeah the, sometimes their, they are, their athleticism is is hindered by their mm -hmm. aesthetics and absolutely and that, that's kind of like what they're going for they're going for their looks you know mm -hmm. and it's um you know it, it's it's a sport and it's in its own sense i mean it, they focus on nutrition they focus on muscle communication they put in hours upon hours of dedication to, to make sure that every single one of these variables that we're talking about is right in line. Yep. And that's what is so impressive of a bodybuilder, you know, and, and at the same time, don't always take advice from them because they're very good at their sport, but it might not be specific to what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And so also talking about how, you know, anal I am about form and stuff and then about what Parker has taught me and also bodybuilding is that sometimes form needs to be sacrificed. 
Yes. You know, and you can break form somewhat if it's still healthy and if you're focusing on your overall output, you know, and that's what bodybuilders, you'll see them a lot of time and you're like, holy cow, that dude's arching his back like Mike on hump day, you know, like, yeah. and, and that's just one of those things where you're like, well, there's a reason they're doing that, you know, like all bodybuilders have an impressive back for a reason, you know, like mm -hmm. they're, they may be doing those back exercises wrong so to speak but it doesn't mean that it's wrong at the same yeah, time yeah they're probably just, triggering something it, while they're doing that they're firing more muscle groups yeah. because of the fact that they're lifting more weight than they can do with proper form so a way that i describe this with my clients that i think is is a good way to describe it is form over or let's see failure over fatigue so when you get fatigued it's when you break form and you can no longer hold form when you go to failure, it's when you can no longer lift any long anymore at all, you know, with bad form or anything. So I try to push my clients a lot of times to poor form, but not to absolute failure. And I think that we've been taught for a long time the wrong way to go to failure. Going to failure is really not great for you in and, any any sense of form. And I see people do it all the time. Like if, I was a, I did it all the time. I, I was just going to say, I mean, in, in weightlifting and, and when I was in powerlifting and such, we focused on going to failure way too often, you know, and it's, it's hard on the central nervous system and it's hard to recover from. And it's really hard on tendons and joints and stuff oh, yeah. like that. I was never, so when I was doing uh, my endurance training, I was never a big fan of one rep maxes. Um, and I, I, it was because of that. But now that I've started training, I actually, you know, not that I didn't train before, but since I've been into it, I've done more of like the, the three and two rep max. And I actually, believe it or not, even though I said a long time ago, I would never do this. I have clients go to that point too, because I want to know that they're pushing I usually don't, I've, I've never done, I don't think a one rep max with any client. I don't like it at all. I have. <laughs> I don't like it because it just, it's too much uh, liability. Yeah. I was going to say with, with, it's with advanced clients, obviously that, that I do. And you have some max. clients you've had for like 10 years. Right. So like the, knowing I've the limits of an athlete and stuff like that, it's, it's yeah. really good to be able to control. But, um, you know, I do believe that a two, three, even 15 rep. 10 rep max, you know, stuff like that can actually be really beneficial to calculate your one rep max and stuff. And there's a lot of good calculators and stuff online um, that you can say, oh, well, I lift this amount of weight, say 15 times, how many times, or what's my maximal lift, you know, or what's my one rep max. And it's going to be pretty accurate. It's not going to be on point because there's other factors that come into play there, you know, and we used to call it the AD factor. Your adrenaline, your adrenaline gets going when you do your one rep max. I mean, it always does, mm -hmm. but you can fire yourself up enough to get another 10, 15 pounds out, oh, of, yeah. out of your lifts. And 100%. And, and when you're saying the calculator, my ego was going, yeah, fuck that. Like, I want to know, you know, <laughs> yeah, like that's and, what it is. You need to know the, that. That's the competitive side, the the type A personality. <laughs> yeah. In us, you know, that that's, that's screaming that. But I know there's a few guys who are like, yes, I, I thought that too. <laughs> but for the majority, you should focus on a weight that, is in a specific rep range mm -hmm. for whatever phase you're in that you can do with a controlled tempo that is difficult for the last few reps, but still you can keep good form. Okay. So, frequency, frequently asked question. I can't even say it. A fuck you. Uh, <laughs> um, so what rep range should I be in? It depends on what your goals are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the lower the rep range, the more strength oriented you're talking about. So, yep. Uh, you know, 15 to 20 reps, 25 to 50 reps, that's considered endurance. Mm -hmm. uh, so you're focusing usually more on slow twitch muscle fibers, or actually, I'm sorry, fast twitch muscle fibers when you're doing more the endurance phase. Is that right? No. Nah, no, that's <laughs> completely opposite. I was like, it, it, I, I had it right <laughs> I was the first trying time. to agree with you. I was like, yeah, no, no I was like trying to make eye contact with you and get the agreement. But um, um, fast twitch is going to be your strength phase or your power phase. And then your slow twitch muscle fibers are going to be your endurance phase. Yeah. That makes it easier. People don't need to know type one, type two. Right. So, so regardless of that fact, um, you know, the, the rep ranges, the higher rep ranges are more endurance based, more stability based. Um, the, Eight to, eight to 12 is more like 
hypertrophy, um, mm-hmm. so to speak. So muscle building, not that that's the only Somebody rep asked range. me that. I said hypertrophy to a new client. He's like, what the hell is that? And I was like, <laughs> you're like hyper. I was like, you don't even, I went, uh, <laughs> you don't even need to know that. Yeah. And it was actually about this rep range. Thing. And it's actually, you know, that's the rep range that is considered hypertrophy or, mm-hmm. uh, hypertrophy. Um, and that's, uh, that's basically the phase where you're putting on muscle muscle mass in a specific area, basically based off of whatever muscle group you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those lower rep phases between five and down to two is maximal strength. And I've I've recently just kind of started doing, I'm doing full body splits and I'm doing more of the, the five down to two. And it's cool because it, it really pushes you in a different direction as far as like you, you think the eight's really close to five, but eight and five are two totally yeah, different things. No, if you're hitting the weight, right. Right. Which and, goes with our weight, um, variable. Right. You know? and, and that's exactly what we're talking about. You should pick a rep range <clears throat> in which you're trying to focus on lifting a certain amount of weight. If you can't hit that weight in that rep range, then you probably need to adjust the weight to get you back to that, your goal. And I usually would say that this is what I answered to the guy's question earlier. He asked, what range should I be in? He's a new lifter. And I said, honestly, you're trying to figure out a lot of different things. So like you're trying to figure out where you're at to start and you're going to need to play with that rep range based upon your weight and kind of start dropping it to figure out what weight you're, you know, like if you want to increase your weight and increase strength, you're going to have to drop your rep range with the weight as it goes up. And I always say, you know, like do a descending set. Start with your 15 and then, you know, put some put some weight on the, the plates or, you know, throw it on the, the stack or whatever. Um, and then start moving down into like the 8, the 5, you know. And that's a really good way to really hit multiple, I guess, variables as far as the strength phase. I, I agree. Um, I think that with different level lifters, whether it's a beginner lifter or more advanced lifter, I try to start everybody out with a higher endurance mm-hmm. um, type, yeah, of, type of, of phase because I you want them to focus a little more on that endurance and not so much on the actual maximal strength, uh, or at least in my opinion. And as far as progression, it's starting them out in the stability phase. So mm. I try to stick with them in that rep range for between four to six weeks and then bump them up a little bit to say a 10 to 12 rep range or eight to 12 rep range and mm-hmm. focusing more on now that we've focused on how to move through those movement patterns properly. Now we're adding a little bit of weight. We're putting a little more strain on the muscles and a little more load yeah. on the tendons and, and we're making them lift harder, more difficult reps. Yeah. And if you're just starting out, you're going to start with not a lot of weight and high reps, and then you're going to drop down into more of that strength phase. Um, and with our gym, we have some, cause you're, you're getting people that are only personal training with you. You don't have that general gym membership at your little studio. Um, when we give out programs, we say a rep range of eight to 12. I'm not going to sit there and bust my ass on a program if you're not paying me. I'm sorry. And that goes with what we were talking about earlier. Unless you're a really good friend, if you've got like some of my Facebook stuff, it's probably thought out. But um, yeah, for the people that come in my gym or just getting their assessment, I'm like, all right, 8 to 12. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's general advice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, just general advice. And, and you get what you pay for in mm-hmm. that sense. And I mean, if you, it's just like anything. If you expect somebody to put their heart and soul into it, and you're paying them pennies on the dollar, it's you're probably gonna get a pennies on the dollar service. You know, you're not gonna get that primo service. So And I'm yeah. I'm really good with our members and I talk to them and stuff, but at the same time I can't hold everybody's hand every time they walk in the gym. I've got real clients that pay me to do that. So. Yeah, I mean if you if you have a question, that's why we do this podcast. Yes, is so absolutely. that we can answer questions that come to us on a regular basis because this is our opportunity to give you free advice. Yep. And because we don't have time to do this, you know, mm-hmm. like in our busy schedule. This is our free time with our people will send 40, us narratives, you know. Yeah. I feel like I'm like putting my glasses on and like, oh, today I'm going to read the novel of Joan Smith. Like I just, I don't really, you know, sometimes it takes a lot of time and effort to, to answer these questions back in a, in a written manner, you know, and sometimes if we don't get back to you right away, we apologize. We're trying to do everything we can, but Mm -hmm. we want you to listen. We want you to focus on, on, you know, learning. And that's why we're trying to give you free answers on this podcast. So Keep them coming. We love answers. So, or we yeah. love to, to answer the questions. So, yeah, if please. you want us to answer a question specifically on this podcast, definitely send it our way. Yeah. So, as far as that weight, we talked about weight, we talked about tempo, or we talked about repetitions a little bit. Um, we talked about time under tension. We talked about uh, 
range of motion, um, let's talk about muscle pairing. So muscle pairing, how should I group my muscle volume? Well, the simple way that I like to put it is that look at how many times you're training a week. If you're training more frequently, you can break up your muscle groups more often and train harder for one muscle group. Whereas if you are only have three times a week to train, you might want to focus on using more muscle groups and maybe not repeating your muscle groups as much. So it's just, uh, you have to focus on what your overall goal is, how much time you have to dedicate and kind of, you know, how frequently you're going to train through the, through the week. And I think we can, we can kind of give our clients as an example. If we have clients that are working twice a week, um, this is actually, here's a great one. Uh, if you have a client that's back to back days, they can only do like Thursday, Friday. It's happened to me quite a few times. What would you do? I would do push pull. Yeah. I mean, you can break it up into push pull. You can break it up into upper lower. You can do, um, you know, core and extremities and then major muscle groups one day. Um, there's, there's multiple different ways you can break it up, but those are, there is no wrong way besides doing the exact same thing two two days in a row. Really? Exactly. Yeah. And that, that was exactly (laughs) what I was going to say. The only way you can really do something wrong is if you just continually do the same thing over and over. Can we do a mini rant? Go for it. Body pump. Body pump. It's the same workout. Oh, I was less Mills body pump. I was like body pump. Like, (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, my chest is so pumped. Like, no, I'm gonna look good at the beach. So, a little disclaimer, and I'm sorry, Les Mills. I I do like that you're motivating people, but I went through body pump training, and I made it through the whole entire thing. And all I had to do was my you send in a video, an hour long video of you teaching it. Um, I'm a very music oriented person. I hate choreography and I hate doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. I'm a DJ. I'm a DJ that likes to do live DJing because I like the variable of possibly messing up. Um, you like the diversity. You yeah. Like, I like, you like the real aspect. I'm it. literally, if you watch my DJ sets, when I do it on Facebook live, I'm just like literally picking as I go. I have no rhyme or reason but okay so yeah, that's why our podcast is continuous because <laughs> <laughs> we like to see that we, we like you guys to see that we make mistakes and and we like to yeah, see the, the we raw don't... effort of of what we do well i have cut out a couple things like the the computer <laughs> stopped working one time but yeah but other than that no and we lost uh, a connection one time but anyways yeah so body pump does the same choreographed workout constantly and people will do this multiple times in a freaking week. And in a like, day. In a day even, yes. I've, 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 seen had, I've had people, I've had clients that are like, yes. yeah, I do potty pump twice a day. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, please tell me that's not true. <sighs> they, they will though. They And they get obsessed with it. And I just think that the concept of one program to work out that you're doing, it can be like, you know, once a week isn't terrible but your body's going to respond to that. It's going to actually learn what you're doing and, and it's really not going to be it's super just like, beneficial. It's just like runners or yeah. cyclers or any endurance athlete. They do that same workout, so to speak, that running, biking, whatever it may be, all the time, multiple mm-hmm. times a week. And it's just, it's adding variety. So it doesn't mean you need to back off or eliminate that. If it's if it's something that's psychological for you, you love going, your wife absolutely can't not go there, you know, stuff like that. You just can't stop going there. You like the instructor, you have a crush on him, whatever it may be. So that mean, was my thought with body pump. Like ladies would be like, oh, look at him teaching body pump. And then I'll just have this huge class. And I was like, dude, I can't do this. Like, this is not me. Bug, bugs to a bug zapper. They see the light mm. and they go to your class. It might be why. <laughs> it might be why I'm like a decent <laughs> like, group exercise instructor. Wait. <laughs> it's so, always women that are in my class too. I but, mean. but the thing is, is that you can do these things. If they're a staple in your program, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to eliminate it. Just add some variety. And that's kind of where the concept of this, this podcast came from was because the question, the people that were asking these questions about their plateaus, most of them are people that I see doing the same exact routine in the gym all the time. And this is, you know, it's, it's some, it's funny because my dad was just mentioning, mentioning this to me. Um, he's, he said it multiple times. He said, you know, I see that the people that are doing the same low intensity lifting constantly and they're still overweight, they still don't look like they've changed at all. And that has a lot to do with what we were talking about training the variables 
instead of doing the exact same thing over and over again because your body will eventually yeah will be conditioned for what you're doing yeah whatever that may be you know whether it be repetition or, or whatever so that repetition and, can yeah. actually cause the cause lead to injury yes you know and and that injury is usually preventable by mobility so that's the other variable that we were going to talk about is mobility so once again, we've we've mentioned the description before, but mobility is your actual ability to move through a full range of motion with strength mm -hmm. or with you know proper function. So that can actually inhibit or contribute to your success in your lifting. You know, if you have poor mobility, it can be a tightness. It can lead to a tendonitis or an inflammation of some sort that can or a pull in a different muscle. Yeah, or a pull or some sort of injury that limits you from lifting in general because you didn't add variety. You you just do the same stuff over and over, and the muscles become conditioned, but they become overused. You know, and that plasticity in your muscles, it, yeah, it remembers what you do and it gets conditioned to that. But if you do it all the time and you're not you're not resting enough, you're not recovering enough then it can cause too much inflammation that your body can't cope with and lead to an injury that stops you from working out. And I would say this, I my last client of the day, he listens to this podcast, so he'll know him that I'm talking about. <laughs> um, it When he first started lifting, his mobility was god-awful. And it was, it was just a thing, it was a conditioned response from probably not doing a lot of these exercises that we're doing. His mobility has improved a lot, and what goes up with it? his ability to lift more weight. Yeah. And so if you think about it, um, it's a small portion of the training, but you need to focus on the mobility and even the flexibility um, in these ranges of motion, and it's going to really help benefit your overall performance uh, of your lifts. And like you said, it's going to decrease the muscle imbalances. It's going to cause more stability in the joints. And these are all really good side effects of just working that range of motion which we had talked about earlier. Yeah, and it all comes from flexibility. You know, mm -hmm. it, really, you need to become flexible and and achieve full range of motion through a joint, whether it be shoulders, hips, knees, you know, wrist, forearm. I mean, what elbows, you know, whatever it may be. It it need you need to have full range of motion before you focus on adding a strength variable to it. Because yep. if you're if you're not able to move with full range of motion without discomfort, without pain, then it leads to weakness it's funny because i was going to say we know this because we've came back from so many bmx injuries like that this is a it's the part of the process you have to get the mobility back yeah well so. it, was, it was funny i mean talking about stability and the, the central nervous system and stuff when i first became a personal trainer i was able I, I was in the prime of my powerlifting career i mean i was just at the tail end of of high school i basically had i could squat 660 pounds with a, a back brace. I could do deadlifts of over 500 pounds. I could bench press over 300 pounds. I mean, I was just an, an ox, but I couldn't do a plank for like over a minute. I couldn't, I could hardly stand on one leg with a single leg balance. I mean, it was just amazing to me at my lack of flexibility, my lack of mobility, that I was still able to be so strong. But it was once I focused on my mobility, my flexibility, my stability, and my intrinsic muscles, my core, and these factors that I hadn't really con considered before, it made me so much stronger as an athlete. You know, like I was strong, but I was not athletic. You know, and like now I'm more athletic at nearly 30 years old than I was when I was 16, mostly because my flexibility, my mobility has improved, and my ability to properly recover and rest. And because you're better educated. People <laughs> yeah. forget about that. Yeah, and, and that's... Your your mind is in a totally different place than it was. You know, sometimes the, the thought comes up like, do I regret any of the decisions that I made as an athlete because of the knowledge that I've gained now? And I don't. I mean, it, without some of those lessons, I wouldn't have learned what I know now. You know, so it's kind of that <laughs> that old cliche, like, oh, yeah, back in my day, you know, like this happened. So now I know that like, it's, it's kind of a, a normal concept, but really if you focus on the things that you see on a regular basis or the way that your body responds, you can actually learn a lot from it and apply it, uh, in great force. So that was our last one, right? 
That was one of our last ones. Let me double check here. But I was going to, so I, I wanted to definitely finish with this because you were talking about being a better athlete. Um, there's a lot of, I've noticed a big trend of people getting into fitness later in life. So like you're 25, 30, you've never touched a weight. You've never been in the gym. You've never went out and surfed. You want to learn how to paddleboard. And what I would say is everything that Chuck just said is very applicable to lifestyle. Like I was talking about with the cardio. Um, if you get better as far as performing in the gym, this will carry over to your normal life, to the things that you want to do, to picking up your kid, to, um, you know, going out and just living life. And so when we say athlete, we also mean the regular person that just wants to be more active. Yeah, um, I, if you don't want to sit on the couch, then this is good for you. Right. I talk about athlete in, in the sense that anyone that's trying yes. to improve their health or anybody that is trying to pick up an active hobby or anything. I mean, you're, you're becoming an athlete, you know, yep. and just like the people that are trying to change their body composition at any level, you're becoming a bodybuilder. You yep. need to learn the science behind how to change your body through nutrition and fitness. And those are, those are sometimes things that, that just people overlook, you know, yep. the, the simplicity of like, what am I trying to achieve? And, um, you know, these different variables can definitely contribute to it, but it's taking accurate record, you know, making sure that you're trying to learn and you're trying to stick with the process long enough to see the benefits from it or the hindrance from it and, you know, what, cut it out or change it up or whatever you may need to do. Or remember like, Hey, this worked really well for me. I'm not going to continue doing it to the point where I wear it out, Yeah. but I'm going to do it enough to where I start seeing diminished results. And then I'm going to switch it up to something else that I know that worked for me really well. Yeah. Hence and then why go I'm, back to that. I'm really, per, you know, preferring this full body plan because I'm doing a different leg variation every day, you know, or two, and then a different thing for chest, back, shoulders, bias, tries, and it core. And it really just helps with that, um, well-rounded approach. Um, so I think we covered everything that we really wanted to with this one, and I yeah. think this is a good spot to... Uh... The only one I can think of... Oh, you always have one. <laughs> <laughs> the only one I can think of that we didn't, I don't think, touch in, in detail was volume. Um, oh, so that's a big we, variable. We, yeah, we, we've got to touch on that real we quick. We talked about intensity, and we talked about duration. We talked about tempo. Um, we talked about rest and a little bit about recovery. But the thing is, is that volume so this is the thing that people don't understand about volume as your intensity goes up your volume goes down yes as your, inversely related variables right. so therefore if your intensity goes down your volume typically goes up mm -hmm. and that's how it should that's the trend you should kind of follow so if you're doing those higher reps those longer duration workouts then it should be a longer duration workout you should spread it out you should focus on, you know, increasing what you can do over time more so than how much you can do in a given time. And I would say this too. This is a great example. I just did the the, the full body uh, workout, so total body every day. When you do this, you're basically looking at your volume that you would have done for a body part split, and you're trying to split this up between however many days you're working out. So like if I'm doing a total volume of like, let's say I do um, six different exercises and I'm doing them at 10 reps. I need to split that between the six days that I'm doing instead of, um, doing it all in one day for like my biceps. And then I would do the same thing for my triceps and legs. And this goes also with, um, the type of training you do. Um, if you're going to do sprinting versus long distance, you can get your volume to match, um, with like a higher intensity, workout um kind of with your longer distance training yeah i mean you're, you're either adding a, an extra mile or an yep. extra lap i mean that's adding volume you know yep. or you say you're in your deload week which that's kind of how the body naturally responds to working out is that you can hit it hard and intense for say three to six weeks but you usually have to have a down week where you're not working out as hard or you're taking a little more rest or you're you know focusing on just cutting your volume in half so that your joints and tendons and nervous system can recover so that you can come back that seventh week or that following week and really hit it hard, you know, and that's, yeah. that's the thing about rest and recovery that a lot of people don't realize is that when you're focusing on like a strength movement for say, 
you you give yourself a little longer rest and you're going to be able to go back and lift more in that next exercise or that next rep um and and that's what people don't realize with taking a little longer rest interval you know for the the amount of effort that they're trying to put out you know, i love so- it when people too are like i'm doing hit training i do um like five minutes and then i go straight back into the next one. i'm like that's not hit training there's no rest interval or you're doing hit training where you literally just do like um I guess the one that I see the most often is like Tabata for, for hit, um, which is, I guess more of a, a circuit training type thing, but yeah, I, I don't, the rest interval is huge. I, yeah. I try to emphasize that in my hit classes. Yeah. As your intensity goes up, your rest intervals get longer mm-hmm. and, and that's really how it should go because again, you should be able to put forth your max effort when you're going for higher intensities. Um, talking about 80 to not to hundred percent intensities, you yeah. know, it should be a, a long rest interval. All right. We're good on this stuff. Cool, man. Well, that was a uh, training inter- or training variables. Um, those are again, things that you can change in your workout routine that can contribute to your success. And we hope we plateau usual, busting. Yeah. We hope we busted those plateaus. We hope we taught you a thing or two and send us some questions. We need more questions to answer on our podcast. Thank you for all the people who have been sending questions and, uh, we have some some great stuff still coming up. We'll start making more announcements as that gets closer. Please like, share, comment, leave a five star review, all that fun fun good stuff. Yeah, we got a at Fact Fitness podcast on Facebook. We've got a at Stack Training and at Parker Lennon. So follow us on any of those media platforms. I'm on I'm on Pinterest and everything. Oh my too, god, so. you always have all this shit at the end. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm he, just saying. All right, Chuck so. needs to stop plugging himself. No, nah, and, and just <laughs> that uh, sounds really sexual, by the way. Well, it's the podcast, god. right? I'm about to unplug everything in oh, here. You're picking on me. Anyways, all right, thanks for following. We really appreciate it. All the all the feedback and stuff's been great. Yeah, thank you guys. We We're really a lot love of fun it. with this. So. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Check you later. See you later, guys. Thank you for listening to FAQ Fitness Podcast. If you liked our show, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. For more workout programs, video resources, and to ask your fitness questions, check out our website at FAQFitnessPodcast.com.